Welcome to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. Hello, this is Diane Estabrook, staff writer for McKnight's Home Care Daily. A recent study by the insurance company Affleck found nearly two-thirds of American workers are experiencing at least moderate levels of burnout. Burnout has been exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic, and the problem has been especially acute among healthcare workers. Sharia Robinson-Lane is an assistant professor of nursing at the University of Michigan. We recently spoke about the impact burnout is having on healthcare workers, including those in home care. I started our conversation by asking her to define what exactly burnout is. Burnout is really a um, level of stress. When you are just so stressed, um, generally it's related to your work, um, but it could be uh, informal work like caregiving, where things just get to a level where it gets difficult to cope and you're not able to do your work in a way that you would normally do it optimally and maybe not be able to do it at all. And that's where it gets to the level where we talk about burnout. Gotcha. And I'm imagining that burnout might affect different people differently. Not everybody may experience burnout the same way. That's absolutely true. And a large part of that has to do with this idea that we all deal with stress differently. And so just like um, the experiences that we have over our life course allows us the tools to be able to deal effectively or ineffectively um, with different types of situations. Burnout um, affects individuals differently and how individuals um, crash and burn, if you will, can also be very uh, different depending upon the situation, um, the circumstances, how long the um, person has been under stress um, and the amount of stress, stress that person has been experiencing can all affect what that looks like from one person to the next. What might it look like in in a person? Is it um, are there physical aspects of burnout? Um, obviously, probably emotional aspects of it. Difficulty concentrating. Sure, it's all of those things. And so, I think in the um, when a person is beginning to experience burnout, they're going to uh, begin to have a lot more difficulty concentrating. They may begin to experience some symptoms of um, depression, like feelings of worthlessness or like they can't get anything done, um, moving a lot slower and getting their work done. Um, And that has to do with that, uh, having a more difficult time being able to gather your thoughts or or concentrate, uh, feelings of uh, sadness or feeling as though you're overwhelmed, changing appetite. Um, So that could, for most people, mean eating a lot less and uh, not really wanting to eat. But for other folks, it could be the opposite of eating a whole lot of stuff. And oftentimes it could be a focus on more sugary types of foods and comfort foods. And so the desire to sort of uh, create your own sense of well-being, which can come from um, old habits or things that used to make you feel good. And so in some instances, um, it could even mean like drinking more or um, now, especially here in Michigan, um, using more marijuana since that's legal in other places where it is. Um, And so we uh, it can be easy to fall back into some um, old habits of things that uh, have maybe worked to reduce stress or to make somebody feel good in the past. Gotcha. We have heard a lot about nurses and caregivers experiencing burnout during the COVID-19 pandemic, but was this a problem before the COVID-19 pandemic? Were we starting to see nurses and caregivers burn out even before that? 
Oh, absolutely. I think that one of the challenges of um, caregiving is that when you're a professional caregiver, you're given of yourself in order to support other um, individuals and you're with people at the worst times of their life and have to put forth your uh, best face, you know, we call it best face forward as much as you can. And it doesn't um, eliminate the um, stressors or challenges that you might be experiencing outside of the, um, the, the workforce. And so particularly for healthcare workers, burnout was a real, um, it, it was a real thing. You know, we've been experiencing staffing challenges. This is for both, uh, you know, across the board for healthcare professionals, whether they're physicians or nurses or nursing assistants, you know, at every level, there have been challenges in having adequate providers, which means people have been picking up um, longer hours of working, um, taking on more shifts, working more weekends, time away from family, time away from friends, and time away from really just being able to resettle yourself and get reconnected. And so the pandemic just incredibly um, heightened that for um, so many in the workforce. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen there was a poll out just recently that Alflac um, put out that said 60 percent of all workers are suffering from it. But I have to think that when you're in the caregiving business, um, burnout could potentially lead to mistakes that could impact patients. Am I right about that? Oh, absolutely. Um, And not only can it lead to mistakes, but the staffing shortages that can come after burnout, you know, because what happens when the person burns out is they ultimately they can't work is what ultimately um, happens, which is why we want to prevent that and be proactive um, about dealing with burnout um, early. But that just sort of creates larger issues around um, safety, safety. and um, all sorts of uh, concerns when individuals are not able to um, be present um, due to uh, stress at the workplace. And I would imagine that um, if just looking at um, healthcare workers alone, and particularly during the pandemic, it's much worse because you are experiencing stress um, both at the workplace and dealing with your personal health. Um, as well as the um, health of your family, and oftentimes being called upon in various spaces to sort of help others navigate the healthcare system. Um, you know, we had issues with child care. And when you're looking at a profession, particularly for nurses and nursing assistants that are predominantly women, um, trying to navigate that as well as, you know, working. And now you add to that these increased costs of housing and uh, child care, not necessarily child care, but food care costs. You know, the cost of everything is going up. It's a lot of stuff to deal with right now. So we've talked about the problem and kind of defined what it is. So now how do we address it and how do we come up with solutions? And especially at a time, as you just alluded to, that we have this significant caregiver shortage. So people are being asked to do a lot more with a lot less. Well, I think that it has to be a multi-level approach to dealing with burnout because this is a multi-level Um, issue. So I think at the individual and um, staffing level, individual um, care providers, whether those are nurses, nursing assistants, physicians, anybody that's in the healthcare workforce, they have to be thoughtful about um, their own boundaries. So you have to know where you are with your own mental health and be really proactive about taking care of that. So if that means that you have to make some time for yourself 
to be able to get recentered in the evening and you need to shut yourself away in a room and be able to listen to music or go for a walk or do a little bit of exercise, you have to figure it out what it is that you personally need in order to sort of maintain your own mental health. And for many of us, that also means getting some professional therapy and working, you know, talking with somebody um, that is skilled, that's not just a girlfriend or, you know, your wife <laughs> to deal with some of the challenges that that comes up, but actually talking with a professional, you know, to help you to uh, work through some of these challenging spaces and help you to reconnect with the things that worked well for you before. You talked about therapy and people going out and taking walks. Um, our providers, and when I say providers, I'm talking about agencies and hospitals and things like that. Are they recognizing this and are they building time into the schedule for nurses or caregivers to do that? Um, and are they providing these people with access to, you know, behavioral health specialists and that sort of thing? I think that there's a little bit of that. I think that organizations have, you know, these employee assistance programs. Um, and so, you know, again, remind the folks that those types of tools are available because sometimes like um, this sort of support uh, mental health support feels unattainable and can be um, expensive for some. Um, but employee assistance programs often provide free mental health um, services, although they might be time limited. So a lot of organizations are doing that. Some have implemented um, different sorts of relaxation things into the um, break rooms. Um, so there are small things that I think that um, organizations have um, done is there room for improvement? Certainly. Um, so um, working more to create um, a relaxing space at work is helpful, but also being thoughtful about scheduling and not asking the same people to fill in or thinking about how much overtime a particular person has to make sure that they have time to reconnect for themselves and to refresh themselves. Um, and sometimes I think that staff um can feel a personal obligation to be present and don't always know to say no. And that's when that manager or leader has to step up and like, you know, um, help individuals to uh, put their own mental and physical health uh, first sometimes. And I have to think that it's probably hard for some people to admit that they are burned out. And if you mm -hmm. are in a situation where you're a supervisor or you're an agency owner, what might you notice in an employee that might tip you off that this person is suffering from burnout mm -hmm. and maybe you need to intervene? Sure. So um, I think watching their interpersonal um, communications and so a change maybe um, in personality where somebody who usually gets along with folks may be a little bit more sharp and quick with individuals, um, maybe um, having some challenges with patient interactions depending on, or family interactions, depending upon what their, you know, type of work is and how they're interacting. You might see some changes in the way that they're communicating, more errors in the work that they're doing, uh, they may start showing up for work uh, late and it, it just not having the same type of uh, diligence that they may have shown. So the main thing I think that employers want to be looking about is changes from typical behavior where you can see that this isn't the same, you know, sort of um, person that, you know, uh, has started there. And the only way that you can pick up those types of things is getting to know your staff. And so if you are in the office all the time and behind the closed door or offsite or working from home, you really can't easily pick up on these um, sometimes what might be subtle differences in um, performance of, uh, for individuals. 
Um, and so I think instead of um, uh, jump into like, let's nip this in the bud. Um, I think that it's important to have uh, build relationships um, and have some of these deeper conversations with individuals about like, you know, what's going on, how are things going and very good managers. One of the things that I've seen them do that works really well is building in time for relationship building into the week. So that might be having like tea with the administrator or coffee with the administrator um, and having them come and, you know, chat and bringing in a little snack or, you know, some good coffee um, and inviting people for these conversations, you know, every so often and rotating it amongst various staff to get to know individuals, to talk about some of the challenges, what their personal goals are. And this is what helps to um, create this culture of belonging, which is really important. You know, I think the Gallup poll has shown for a really long time that uh, one of the things about employee retention um, that makes a large difference is that question about, do you have a best friend at work? Um, And so it sounds kind of silly, but it really makes a large difference in individuals um, being able to feel connected and to ward off some of this um, burnout and having another person that can maybe point out to you like, hey, you're slipping a little bit, like what's going on? You made a really good point about um, people being connected and feeling like they belong. And um, a lot of our audience is um, home care and home health care workers. And these are people that don't go into the office and they might feel disconnected from the people that they work with. How do you get around that issue with those people? Well, I think that we have a lot of awesome tools that are available and at our disposal for um, the home care field in particular. Most home care agencies are using um, iPads and um, um, phones of different types to be able to connect. And so um, have a group chat and keep it fun, you know, and have one that's just for fun and for connecting and then have one that's for all of the business stuff, you know, so that things don't get lost around patient care. Little things matter. I think that a lot of times as uh, business owners in particular, there's this idea that staff are always looking for things that cost money, you know, but it, every every way of being nice and showing that people matter doesn't cost, you know, something as simple as a good morning check in and how are you doing? Um, did you get home safely? Asking about people's children. These things matter, you know, in larger organizations, like I said, with the food costs and things being up, is there a way to make sure like your staff are fed? You know, some of the best organizations I've worked with, like that was something that is seemingly small. It does cost some money, but it worked fantastically because there was a full spread that looked like a buffet every day for every shift. So nobody had to worry about eating. Now, the caveat to that was that you couldn't leave the building. But think about what that then does for staffing. And you never have to worry about coverage if during your shift, you know that nobody's leaving because there's food here. And so there's lots of creative ways to think about how do you create a sense of belonging and create community amongst, you know, individuals and then can you have like for home care in other places, like when do you guys meet up and what, what happens during those um, meetups? How is it not just about business, but also about reconnecting, engagement um, and um, the community? It sounds like a lot of it has to do with just overall morale, you know, feeling included that will boost morale and make somebody feel better, maybe not mm-hmm. as burned out. But the flip side of it is. I'm certain it kind of sounds like if you if you're suffering from burnout, then there's going to be lower morale overall at the organization. 
Absolutely. There's certainly going to be lower morale. You know, part of the challenge that a lot of organizations had in implementing vaccine policies among staff was because of poor morale and the lack of a sense of um, belonging, employees that didn't feel like they were validated in their you know, um, fears and concerns, people that were um, punished for bringing in their own PPE and this type of thing. You know, um, now um, when the patients are at risk, you know, it's like, okay, now you need to do this, you know, to protect other individuals, but the same sort of thought may not have felt as though they have been there to protect employees. And so um, we still have to remember that um, there's a lot of community building that has to take place as we're still in the midst of this pandemic um, where individuals are still, you know, getting sick, individuals are still dying, um, and people are still dealing with the grief of the losses that have happened over the course of the pandemic. And so I think that um, that's something to sort of keep in the back of one's mind if in a position of leadership that like all of this stuff hasn't gone away. We're only in like year three, right, of the pandemic now, even though we're kind of sick of talking about it. You know, um, we've heard, we've seen polls over the last couple of years about nurses either leaving the workforce and direct caregivers leaving the workforce or considering leaving the workforce. Um, those people that have left, do you think they have, they will return? And what, if they haven't yet, what's it going to take to get those people to come back? Uh, I think that prior to the pandemic, there was, depending upon the area that you looked in, there have been always some fluctuations and there have been some declines in staffing. Um, this has been most prevalent in um, long-term care. And then behind that, I would say probably assisted living, hospital settings have been, you know, the uh, least affected of them. And so, um I think that there was a um, exodus in the beginning where there was a lot of uncertainty around um, COVID and COVID policies. I think we've already seen some individuals returning back now with, you know, um, vaccine availability. Um, and uh, some of the individuals have actually been are still in these spaces, but they're doing other roles. So I think that's the other thing to keep in mind that you have a lot of people that have been promoted into other sorts of um um, positions. And so I, I think that we're always going to have some challenges in some spaces because there's a lot of negative stereotypes about some areas of care, like, you know, with long-term care. But I think we've been making it work for years. You know, we've continued figuring out how to get staffing. We know that people have to t be taken care of, and we know that our loved ones need care that we often can't provide by ourselves at home, um, which is why, you know, these spaces continue to exist. And so we're going to continue to find people to um, take care of the folks that we have in these spaces. So I think that we'll figure it out. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that this is going to be, you know, a permanent problem where we're going to have to come up with something new. I, I think that we'll figure it out. Great, great points. Sharia Robinson-Lane, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in home care news, visit McKnight'sHomeCare.com.